Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Jim Richards. Jim Richards has over 40 years of successful ministry, including outreach to the Philippines, pioneering churches in America, conducting leadership conferences, and pastoring a local church in Huntsville, Alabama. As a best-selling author, he has also published dozens of books and ministry development programs. And now, Jim Richards will explore how the limitations that are seemingly external actually come from the beliefs you have about yourself in your own heart. Let's dive into the message. What if you had one situation in your life and that situation began to affect you in multiple areas of your life? Actually, I was, just, I was just talking about this with a friend of mine. We were discussing the fact that one nutritional deficiency in your body could cause a, a number of different diseases, a number of different sicknesses, and, and, and you would be getting all of this different kind of treatment for these different sicknesses. For example, uh, if you have a copper deficiency, you know, one of the first things that would start happening is you start losing a little elasticity in your skin, so you start getting crow's feet, and so then you're, you know, then you're trying to kind of take care of these wrinkles that are coming, then your hair starts changing color because, because that provides the p- pigment for your hair, and so, so you start coloring your hair. Well, then because it affects the elasticity of everything in your body, now, and then you get hemorrhoids, so now you've got to have a hemorrhoid operation, and, and then because it affects the elasticity, then it affects your, your, your blood vessels and your blood veins and you start getting varicose veins so you're in pain you got to have surgery you got to have medication for varicose veins well then you start having a bulge uh, in, in, in an artery now you got to have a stent put in somewhere and all of this is just coming from just just one deficiency well you know something that's the way it happens to us emotionally sometimes there's just one issue at the root of many many problems Jesus talked about the fact that a broken heart affects so many areas of our life. A broken heart can cause us to become blind to God's resources. A broken heart can cause us to feel trapped uh, in circumstances. A broken heart can lock us into situations that we can't get out of, make us feel captive, make us feel poor and destitute. Because you see, the heart is the seat of who we are. It's the source of all abiding emotions. From the heart emerges all of life's boundaries. You see, every area that I feel limited in life, whether it's limited in a relationship, limited financially, uh, limited in health, limited in happiness, limited in how much I can achieve with my life, all of those limitations, according to Proverbs 4.23, are boundaries or issues, as the King James says, of the heart. It's not the circumstance. It's not something out there. It's not the devil attacking me. We want to put all of that out there, but the truth is it's just about the beliefs of my heart. It's not that I don't have enough faith. It's that I'm using the faith that I have to believe the wrong things. I mean, stop and think about it. Your heart affects and determines the quality of your physical health. Uh, It 
again, your relationships, your love, your relationship with God, everything in your life is affected by your heart. But most importantly, the heart is a place where God speaks to us. And all of these aspects of life become distorted and skewed because of the conditions of our heart. You know, just a few of the symptoms of a broken heart, even though they are endless, but just, just, just a few of the obvious symptoms of a broken heart might be continuous negative emotions. Uh, codependent tendencies that make us keep getting into wrong relationships with the wrong kind of people. Uh, distorted understanding of spiritual reality, not really, not really being able to see and grasp the truth about God. Or a distorted view of life, or, or maybe just feeling like a victim and always feeling overwhelmed, always feeling like life is too powerful and too strong, and we just can't seem, we just can't seem to step up and, and face and solve the issues in our life. Or repeated uh, cycles of destructive behavior, or unexplained failures, or abusive relationships, or the ability to feel happy, fulfilled, and loved. You see, honestly, I could keep going. This, this, list, could, this list could be the whole program. These are just the ones that I see the most often in counseling and personal ministry. But see, the area where a broken heart tends to affect us more than any other is in our relationships because the heart is the seat of love. In the heart resides the capacity to feel, receive, and give love. And since love is the deepest need of mankind, this very root factor alters our entire life experience. You see, heartbreak it's like a self-replicating virus in a computer. It just keeps recreating the same circumstances over and over. It keeps throwing us into this, this non-functional situation where nothing works like it's supposed to. And we find ourselves just repeating the same problems over and over. And once it gets into the inner workings of your computer, then you know that there's no end to the chaos and confusion a virus causes. Well, since heartbreak always starts in some aspect of relationship, and it is in relationships that it replicates, multiplies, and duplicates, then the truth is a broken heart affects us in relationships more than any other area. But the good news is this. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. In fact, the very first work of the Holy Spirit in your life is to make you whole through the love of God. Now, I want you to understand something. Sometimes when you get saved and you, you start going to churches, immediately they're, they're trying to teach you what all you need to do for God, how much you need to serve, and, and, and they mean well. I'm, I'm not saying anybody is trying to abuse you or use you, but I'm saying that the truth is, first and foremost, God wants you to be made whole through the love of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us, in Ephesians, fourth chapter, that, he's, that he has uh, uh, put in the body apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Now, that word perfecting of the saints, it, it's a Greek word that basically is compound, and, and one of the compound words means uh, to, to mend or to make whole, and the other means to equip for service. You see, we're not ready to serve God to any great degree if we're not experiencing wholeness. And so God wants to make you whole. God, God wants to have a loving, trusting relationship with you. And the quality of our relationships can never exceed our personal wholeness. Therefore, before becoming a servant, before diving into any of the deeper aspects of God, the starting place is always wholeness by knowing, hearing, believing, experiencing the love of God. See, apart from wholeness, everything you do as a believer will be tainted by insecurity and feelings of inadequacy. In Luke 4, 18, 
Jesus made this bold proclamation. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovering of sight to them that are blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, usually we look at those scriptures, and rather than interpret them in context, we look at the ministry of Jesus and we ter interpret or translate these scriptures out of context and we lose the full value of what Jesus is really saying about the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, in this context, in this scripture, Jesus is talking about the emotional effects a person uh, has when they have a broken heart. See, there are plenty of scriptures that address, that address the individual issues uh, that are listed here. For example, there are plenty of scriptures about opening physically blind eyes. But in context, this is not what Jesus is talking about here when he talks about recovering sight. There are plenty of scriptures that talk about getting deliverance from demonic activity and, 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 and thank God for that. But in context, this passage of scripture is not talking about deliverance from demonic activity when it talks about setting, setting the captives free. It, it, there, Jesus cared about the poor, and he preached the gospel to the poor. But in this passage, the poor are the people who feel destitute, hopeless, and overwhelmed in life. They're abiding in this incredible sense of lack. They are not in touch with God's love. They're not in touch with God's provisions, and they feel inadequate and ill-equipped for life. They, they have no sense of God's promises being sure, or the awareness that, that their needs are not as great as his incredible provision. You see, that abiding sense of lack is the result of a broken heart. It's that sense of lack that's responsible for every temptation, every sin, every destructive behavior that comes into your life. You know, one of the most powerful books that I, I think I've ever written is a book called Breaking the Cycle, where, where I talk about the fact and show you how to get free from this continuous abiding sense of lack. And as long as you feel lack, you are susceptible every temptation to every sin. And God does not want you caving into these things. Remember, the original temptation only occurred after Satan undermined Eve's confidence in God. And, you know, he kept saying, if you, if you eat this, this fruit, there, there's a reason God doesn't want you to eat it. He doesn't want you to eat it because the day you eat it, you're really going to become like God. You see, they already were like God, and he was he was creating the feeling of lack, the feeling of inferiority, the feeling of not being who God said that she and Adam really were. And once that feeling of lack comes alive inside of us from believing a lie, once that feeling comes alive, just like Eve, then, then we begin to search away from God to get our needs met. You see, captivity is a description of the circumstances of life that overtake us when we feel destitute. And when you feel lack, you feel destitute. When you feel lack, you feel overwhelmed. When you feel lack, you feel like you can't do anything about these monumental things that are happening all around you. You see, it's a deception that our circumstances have the power to hold us. 
We feel that we have no choices. Our life seems limited. You see, and this is what Jesus was talking about in, in, in these people that are taken captive. Isaiah 42, 7 shows us that captives sit in the prison houses because they have no light. They do not see things as they really are. And you see, darkness is what occurs in the absence of light, and light is truth. God's Word is truth. And God's Word has, show, has shown us from the beginning that God's good. He's only good. He wants us to have the very best. He wants us to live in the promised land, which is a land of rest and a land of plenty. He sent Jesus to die for us so all the promises can be ours. I'm telling you, it's amazing that all the good, wonderful, loving, kind, generous things that God has done, but people are blinded to it. And they look at things that they don't understand in the Old Testament where God did pour out some wrath and judgment to protect the innocent, to protect His children, to make sure that salvation could come to the world. We look at that and, and because we're sitting in darkness because we, we're blinded to how good God really is. I'll tell you something, at, at, the, at the root of lack is the fact that we just don't believe God loves us like He says that He loves us and like He has clearly demonstrated. See, when people do not know and believe the truth, they're already in captivity. Not because the enemy is powerful. You don't go into captivity because the, because the devil has power. You go into captivity because you don't see things as they really are. You don't see things the way God's Word says that they are. And then there's the phrase in here where it says, recovering sight to the blind. Oh, man, I'll tell you, <laughs> this is such an incredible concept. You see, Jesus healed the blind. That's fine. In my crusades, I've seen the blind healed. I am all for the blind getting healed. But in context, when he talks about giving sight to the blind here, he is talking about people who are blinded in their circumstances. The darkness, the absence of God's Word in their heart, the absence of the promises of God being sure. You know, it's interesting, in the book of Peter, it tells us that we escape the corruption that's in the world by these exceeding great and precious promises. In other words, the more we believe in the promises of God, the more that we believe they're true in Jesus, the less power the circumstances of life have over us because it changes what we believe. You see, we're blinded and in darkness because circumstances are dictating our sense of reality, and we need to recover sight. We need to see things from God's perspective. You know, in Mark 6, we have the story about Jesus feeding the multitudes with five loaves and two fish. And in this story, we see the true meaning of, of recovering sight. Now, keep in mind, the Bible says Jesus was a man tempted and always like as we are. This means that I don't know about you, but if I was standing up there with just a five fish and a couple of loaves of bread, and, and I looked out there and I saw 5,000 men and their wives and their children, there could have been over 20,000 people there. And, and, and the only resources that I could see with my natural eyes would be this, this little basket of fish and bread. And so if Jesus was a man like me, he had to be tempted in that moment to limit God to what he could see. And that's what we all do. We, we limit God to the resources that we can see. We have momentary hysterical blindness because the circumstances look so incredible. Now, the Bible tells us, Mark 6, that he looked at the resources that he had. He looked at the incredible demand based on the natural view, and it looked hopeless. But then he modeled what we should do when circumstances begin to overtake the way we see life. In Mark 6, 41, it says, 
And we had taken the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves. And the Greek, the phrase here, is the exact same phrase in Luke, where, in Luke 4, where it's talking about recovering sight. And actually, when it says he recovers sight, instead of, instead of being blinded by the circumstances, what he did, he looked up into heaven, and, and it says that in the Greek that he recovered sight. In other words, by turning to God, he recovered the capacity to see things from God's perspective. You see, we are so overwhelmed. We're so beat up by circumstances. And we've so trained ourselves to keep our eyes fixed on what's going on around us that we never stop looking at the problem long enough to recover sight by looking at God and His promises and His resources that we have in Jesus. You see, He recovered sight. Therefore, He was able to bless the fish and the bread. Now, to bless something means to speak favorably. That's where he began to use his, that's where he began to use his authority. And see, we have authority in planet Earth. Men have authority. You use your authority to destroy yourself, or you use your authority to declare God's blessings. And, and, and then on the one hand, you know, when, when you use your authority to destroy yourself by looking at and talking about and magnifying the problems, then you say, well, see, the devil did that to me. No, the devil didn't do that to you. You did that to you. And you think, that, you think that God's got to make a decision. You think you've got to find out if God wants to bless you. Let me tell you something. All the promises of God are yes in Jesus. And, and, and Jesus clearly taught us that we have to use our authority to bind and loose. To bind means if we're going to bind what, what's been bound in heaven, we've got to declare unlawful. If it's, if it's been declared unlawful in heaven, we've got to declare it unlawful on earth. Well, let me tell you something. All the curses have been declared unlawful for the believer. That means when the curse shows up, now it doesn't mean it won't come, but when it shows up, you've got, you've got to speak to that situation and say, no, you're not from God. I do not receive you. And then you've got to choose the end that you want. The, the, you've got to have a biblical promise that says because you're in Jesus, you can have a particular end. You choose that end, you speak that end, and you experience that end. In other words, that's where you start speaking those blessings. No, I am blessed. I am delivered. I, I am above. I am not beneath. All my needs are met. All my desires are fulfilled. God is my source. God is my supplier. He gives me the power to get wealth, whatever it is. But you begin to speak the promises of God, the favorable word of God over the circumstances, thus creating the promised end and the end that you desire. Then it says that he wants to set at liberty the oppressed or the bruised. Now, I want you to understand something. Every, every time we take a hit, every time we take a punch somewhere, it has the potential to create a bruise. And a bruise is a place that restricts the freedom of, of blood flow. You see, when, you're, when, when you have a bruise, blood stops flowing through that part of your body because, because you've been hit, the blood has left the blood vessels of the veins, it coagulates, it begins to block the flow of blood. Well, the life is in the blood. See, when you have sustained an injury and you have a bruise, then the life that is in the blood cannot flow into that area and relieve the pain. And if you, if you can break up that bruise that's there, then the life will begin to flow in there and the pain is going to go away. So, <clears throat> so Jesus came to, to heal the bruise. In psychological terms, this would be what I call a stuck state. See, a stuck state occurs when we experience what seems to be an irresolvable emotional trauma. Now, many of life's major hurts occur at a time when we are emotionally or intellectually uh, capable of, uh, 
of dealing with the pain. And when this happens, or, or when we're incapable of dealing with the pain, and when this happens, we just don't resolve the problem. We don't do anything about it. Now, even though we may bury that pain and get it where it's not alive in our memory, the problem is that pain is still affecting us. For example, if a child is molested, well, that pain, that bruise, it, it, it's never resolved just because they stop talking about it. It's never resolved just because they block it from their memories. I, you know, I, I, and, and I'm not much on trying to get in touch with blocked memories because most of the time that turns into something unhealthy. But I do realize that as people get whole, memories that have been blocked do come forth on their own. And, and they come forth when you are ready and able to deal with them and, and not before. You don't have to go searching for them and you don't have to go try to dig them out. I want to tell you something. These, these things cause pain in their life. And, and they may grow academically. They may grow socially and in all of these other areas. But in that area of intimacy where there's been a bruise, you see, they, they have a block. And they're growing in all of these other areas. You may be growing in all these other areas. But the moment you get into a situation that requires intimacy, you revert back to the maturity level that you were when you were traumatized. And, and you deal with it with the maturity level or with the emotions that are connected to that trauma. See, many times we find ourselves dealing with unbearable pain with the emotional resources of a 10-year-old or whatever age the, the trauma occurred. I want to tell you something. God doesn't want that in your life. God doesn't want what happened to you when you were five years old. God doesn't want what happened to you when you were 10 years old. God doesn't want what happened when you were 15 years old. God doesn't want what happened any time before you came to Jesus. God does not want what happened after you came to Jesus unless it's based on His love and His promises to be dictating or affecting your life. And He's saying this is why the Holy Spirit came and anointed Him is so that He could bring this type of freedom to people. See, last of all, Jesus said he wants to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, all scholars agree that this is referring to the year of Jubilee when all debts are paid. And, of course, it's talking about financial debts. But here, in context, we have to be talking about emotional debt. You see, Jesus wants you free from your emotional debt. You may deserve the pain, just like some of those people deserve to have the debts but you still got set free if it was the year of Jubilee. See, you may have been the cause of your pain. That doesn't matter. God wants you whole, and you cannot experience wholeness with a lifetime of emotional debt weighing in on you. I want to tell you something. We've got this idea that if we deserve the problem, if we cause the problem, if we had something to do with the problem, that God doesn't want us set free. Well, I'll tell you something. In the year of Jubilee, it could have been because you were a drunk. It could have been because you were a liar. It could have been because you were dishonest. Or it could have been because you had sickness in your family or because of some reason out of your control. It didn't really matter why you had these debts. It didn't matter why you lost your family's land. It was all going to be restored to you. That's what God wants. God wants a year of Jubilee where you get set free from all your emotional death. You can, you can burst beyond the limits that you have put 
on your life. And I want you to understand something. The Bible teaches us that we are the ones that limit God in our life. Not because we want to, not because we're trying to be mean, not because we're trying to be hard-hearted, but we limit God because we either don't know or we're afraid to trust the covenant. We're afraid to trust what He's done for us in Jesus. But this month, and in this incredible series that I'm providing for you, I tell you, I'm going to move you through, uh, through this. Break this cycle of repeated pain, repeated hurt. Just break this cycle of living in lack and living in need. And listen, it's all got to start first by owning the problem. Owning the problem, we know psychologically the way we're wired, we cannot solve a problem we will not own. This is not where you beat yourself up. This is not where you condemn yourself. But this is where you acknowledge, Father, I am not living the quality of life that Jesus promised. I am still struggling with the emotional debt of my own heartache, but I choose to be set free. And now this is where you use your authority. The Bible says you have to bind and loose. The Bible says you have to make choices, that you have to use your faith. And this is where you use your authority. And if it's part of the curse, whatever's going on in your life, and if you don't know what the curse is, go read Deuteronomy 28, and you'll see a kind of a, a, a capsulized list of the blessings and the curse. Now, under the old covenant, they received the blessings and the curses based on their, uh, their ability to obey all of the law. Under the new covenant, we receive the blessings and are delivered from the curses because we are in Jesus. So this is where you read those curses. If there's anything in your life that's a curse, if there's anything in your life causing you not to trust God or to strain or to strive or to be tempted or to struggle, that's when you say no in the name of Jesus and call it by name, whatever it is. You feeling and of whatever, I command you to leave me. I command you to depart from me in the name of Jesus. You are not from God. And now... You take the blessing, the promise that is ours because we're in Jesus, and you acknowledge, Father, I am in Jesus, and I proclaim this into my life. I claim blessing. I proclaim peace. I proclaim prosperity. And I open my heart to you, Holy Spirit, to lead me down this path of abundant life in the name of Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Jim Richards. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.